Hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce Odyssey podcast. I'm here with Leslie Hensel from Riverbend Consulting. Leslie, could you tell us a little bit, a little bit about what you do? Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. So Riverbend Consulting specializes in helping Amazon sellers with the problems that they have on the marketplace. Amazon is really aggressive towards sellers. And so we help them to solve problems like suspensions or when their inventory is stranded or when Amazon just won't reply when they need help, when a seller needs help with with their account. Also, we help with some uh, growth strategies as well, like editorial recommendations, videos, and other things that'll get your listings noticed on the platform. Excellent, because I know from from experience that that there are lots of problems on the Amazon platform. I expect you're very, very busy. Um, So how do you, what do you, these days when Amazon's getting more and more crowded, I mean, you you see, go onto it, there's just any amount of everything on it. What is it, what are you seeing the most successful sellers are doing? How are people winning in this crowded marketplace? Well, the easiest and most straightforward strategy is to really maximize the quality of your listings. And I know that sounds really trite and people have been saying it for years, but if you really go out there and spend some time in the catalog, you'll see that there are so many listings that are poor quality. Amazon is really doubling down on listing quality score. They're rejiggering their own algorithm all the time. And they are very focused right now on boosting the results for listings that have better quality, including video. Video is tremendously huge on the platform. And there's a lot of favored search results, especially on mobile for listings that have video attached to them. So the sellers that we're seeing do really well are spending a lot of time with listing optimization, keyword optimization, and then making sure that they have lifestyle photos. They have optimized copy. They've done all of the things they can do to make their listing pop up in search faster and also to then recreate that result with paid. So you really do have to invest in paid media on Amazon now. You have to do pay-per-click advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can also do video ads. For a long time, people didn't want to invest that money and there were workarounds. Well, now that you cannot get away with all of the various forms of review manipulation and product giveaways, and they're really cracking down on those things, it is super important that you invest in paid media in a smart way, but also optimize your listing. When you don't do those two things, you can actually pop up one, two, three times on the first page of search. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's getting the, the basics right, which is really the case in e-commerce generally. I think the the quality listings and you have to start, you know, have to run, um, you know, to, to get positioning. You really need to spend, be spending money on paid media these days. You really do. And it sounds so basic. And yet, um, even some really good selling products out there have not optimized their listings. And I'm really shocked sometimes at the major brands that don't really have a great e-commerce strategy for Amazon or their strategy was kind of an afterthought. So major household products that you buy every day at a grocery store or corner market, um, if you go on Amazon and look at their listings, a lot of times they're garbage. Uh, There's there's no A-plus content. There's no nothing, right? I think it's a kind of tragedy of the commons thing going on because lots of people selling on the same listing. And therefore, that's that's why you're getting these kind of challenger brands coming in because it's them they're the only person selling on that listing. So those really incentivized to make a really good listing. Whereas if you've got the kind of household grocery kind of items, which should be doing well, 
they, you know, Amazon's always been a small part of what they do. They sell through wholesalers. No one really owns a listing and therefore it kind of atrophies, I think. It gets created by lots of people and it's the, you know, right. no one's, no one cares for it. Exactly. And so if the major brand doesn't go out and get Amazon brand registry and invest the time, you can actually compete against them as a small seller for exactly the reasons that you said, because if you're willing to invest in PPC, you're willing to have those lifestyle images and have that great content, you're going to be rewarded by that algorithm uh, if you do a really great job and you really can compete that way. So the back to the basics, it sounds so simple and you're like oh everyone's already doing that no actually they're Mm. not and then the other biggest challenge right now i think um that great sellers are the ones doing it the right way is making sure they don't run out of stock when you run out of stock on amazon your listing it just goes down the tubes really fast right you lose all of your rank that you've worked so hard your best seller ranking and so people who can really manage that and have found ways to stay in stock, they are really being rewarded right now. Mm-hmm. So if you find, I mean, my experience with Amazon is that it's becoming a, a more difficult platform to sell on. They are always creating new, um, you know, there's new metrics and always just, you know, saying recently saying for, you know, sell for full prime, you had to start shipping on a Saturday. Do you think that is because, you know, they're trying to get rid of sellers by making it more difficult for sellers? I don't think they're trying to get rid of sellers. Um, I think there are a lot of forces at work. And sometimes Amazon has policies that probably make sense to the people internal at Amazon to meet some certain goal. But to the rest of us on the outside, it's obviously not working the way that it's intended. So, for example, the seller fulfilled prime. Wow, the new metrics around that are just crazy. Uh, You really have to offer one day if you want to have seller fulfilled prime instead of it being two day. It's a hot mess. Uh, Here in the United States, where we have such wide geographic spread, it is almost impossible to do it unless you have multiple warehouses that can ship the same day. Um, So Amazon thought, we're going to make sure that customers have the same experience as if things are shipping from an Amazon fulfillment center. So we're going to have these super strict rules. And, you know, Seller Fulfilled Prime was created to actually offer more selection available at prime speed. And then Amazon completely undid that and went backwards for the customer experience because they've actually shut all of these seller for fulfilled prime sellers out of the marketplace who can't do it, don't want to do it. I think you've got, in my experience, you've got it was on on Amazon, you've got almost different, you know, you've got one side of Amazon ringing you up saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do SFP? And then the other side of Amazon is creating these very difficult metrics, which are very difficult Mm -hmm. to, um, to actually meet and um, i mean i had a discussion with an amazon account manager and they said oh it's because you know customers are always expecting more and we're trying to meet that and i was like no from my opinion my opinion is they expect more because you tell them that they should be expecting more <laughs> and and uh yeah the, the, well, the and the great irony is uh during the time they created the new sfp rules it was right before covid right when they put all of that into place And then during COVID, Amazon wasn't meeting any of its shipping goals, and they still don't. So there are a lot of SFP sellers who've stopped doing SFP who are probably beating Amazon's metrics. I have stuff delayed all the time. I have like five fulfillment centers near my house. So a lot of times I can receive items the same day. 
mm-hmm. but then there will be something that I don't get for five days, six days that was supposed to be two day prime. So Amazon, you know, blithely ignores all of the rules for itself. And yet they're putting these expectations on third party sellers that make no sense. And then they reduce selection on their own platform for speedy delivery. It really, it makes no sense. Hey, see, I'm just thinking about Amazon, right? That is what I would call it. I call the Amazon deep state, right? <laughs> so you've got what you can see, what you see that you can use that. Um, you've got what you can see at the top, right? And then you've got, you know, what is what is going on underneath, which is all stuck together with sticky tape and, and you know, and what, what do you think? I mean, do you think that they're, because I think that people have this impression that Amazon is a very slick organisation, but I see these problems like you see. And I think, you know, like their catalogue is very hard to use. If you've got a problem, it's very hard to fix. Yes. Um, and, you know, if you fall foul of a rule, it can be almost impossible to fix it. So what do you think? I mean, do you think that there is it becoming unwieldy as an organization? Yes. And part of the issue is that it's a very siloed organization that values an entrepreneurial spirit inside of the organization. So each person is supposed to be very self-motivated and meet their own goals and push forward these projects. And they're not really working in concert with everyone else. So when you talk about things held together with sticky tape, we talk a lot about rubber bands and paper clips because the technology systems at Amazon, the backend technology, they don't all work together. There's a reason Seller Central has not been updated in what, 11 years, except for these little tiny patches that they've thrown on, like the widgets on the homepage. Um, a true upgrade has not happened. And it's because it's all of these different little pieces of programming. The entire organization is run that way. I have 15 ex-Amazon employees on my staff. And they talk a lot about um, the goals being set by different managers that didn't match or the goal that was set by a director over here and he had no idea what the operational effect was on the other side of the organization. So, so much of that really happens there. Um, it's, it's such a highly thought of company and they've done so many groundbreaking things. And let's face it, the online yeah. marketplace they've created is amazing and unlike anything literally in the history of the world. And yet um, the organization does not run in a cohesive fashion the way that you might think. So someone might say, okay, we really need to cut back on, uh, we need to cut back on counterfeits on the platform. And so they will have this directive for seller performance, and then they will over-enforce and they will catch up all of these sellers that aren't selling counterfeit, for example, or restricted products. We've all seen that with pesticides and other restricted oh, products. Oh, yes, pesticides. So you've got, like, yes. if, a, if a, a product gets flagged, Yes. As something you can't say to them, look, you know, you get something which isn't a pesticide and there'll be a thing saying, tell us why you can sell this pesticide. And you can't just write to them and say, look, it isn't a pesticide. No, I it's a T-shirt. It's a T-shirt, whatever. But it, it's things like that. And they'll write back and say, well, look, it's a pesticide. Say, it isn't a pesticide. I don't know. In the UK, we have this um, uh, like a comedy called Little Britain. And there's a character in that who goes, computer says no when people ask him a question. And it really is like that with Amazon, that you just cannot, you cannot talk to anyone and the support will only answer that they'll, you'll ask them a question and then answer the question they know the answer to and not the one you asked. Yes. That, that is, that is, I'm it's enjoying so true. discussing Amazon here. Well, and I can, I can actually explain the restricted products torture to right. you. <laughs> so restricted products, um, 
pesticides and when you get fake flags for adult products and you get fake flags for um, ingredients in a supplement and they're wrong, um, the people inside of Amazon have been told, and this is real, (laughs) they have been told that their technology is almost infallible. It's 99.5%. It's really great. Excuse me. So that when something is flagged, for one of these reasons that they can trust that the flag is accurate. And so people on the front line, the the first level person who's looking at your appeal, um, they pretty much do not feel empowered to overturn that because they're going to believe the technology. And they've also been told a lot of these directives are from legal because when it comes to things like restricted products, those are based on some kind of a law. Uh, It's based on the EPA here in the United States, the Environmental Protection Agency. That's where all the pesticide stuff comes from. And there are other restricted products that are based on prohibited ingredients, for example. So it's all legally based. So they do not feel like they can overcome and say, oh, okay, you're telling me that this isn't a pesticide, so I'm good. Um, So at our company, we write appeals for people all day long. We write account appeals and ASIN appeals. And in our ASIN appeals, most of the time with restricted products, they are not successful at the front line. We escalate to other people in the Amazon organization and say, hey, uh, look over there. This is they're not enforcing the policy right. Help me out. And that's how yeah. we get it solved. So, I mean, because it's interesting with with uh, restricted, um, uh, you know, with, with accounts being blocked. I mean, my experience is that um, it's. You know, you have to go through a very specific process of of you know appealing, and I, I refer to it as starting at maximum grovel. So you've got to you've got <laughs> to you know, no matter if, if you they did they just expect you to go through a process of basically saying, you know, just completely prostrating yourself in front of Amazon and saying, oh, almost powerful Amazon, we're really just so completely sorry you know we just you know and then just making more outlandish promises until they accept your promises and um but the really difficult thing is i mean you know if a, if a, a an account gets quote unquote permanently shut down getting it reopened is extremely hard yes it is so what, i mean what would you what would your advice be to someone who you know has had their account suspended um you know to to you know just to, to sort the problem out So the very important thing, what you want to avoid at all costs is to get that we may not respond to further appeals or emails email. That message is when it goes from difficult to really, really difficult. Next to impossible. Yes. So when, if and when you get the, hey, your account is suspended or you're going to be suspended in 72 hours, give us an appeal. Um, The first thing is to not knee jerk. A lot of people, the reason their appeals fail is that they knee jerk and they either uh, defend themselves and say, we didn't do anything. Um, You're wrong. What are you talking about? They ask Amazon for information, which Amazon is not going to give you information. Sorry, they expect you to know everything. Or they write an appeal that is essentially meaningless. It doesn't actually address the problem at hand. So. So groveling, while it has its place, because you do have to take responsibility, uh, you really have to show them that you know what they are talking about. So that means taking a step back, trying to not be emotional, 
and look at your account. So if the, it's about condition, it's you sold as new, go through all of the reports that they have available, go through all the comments and the feedback and the reviews and look for instances where people complain that something wasn't new. Look through your messages and try and even if it's not really valid, which happens. I have a lot of clients who've been suspended and frankly, I don't think they should have been. It was over enforcement. However, you still have to take it seriously and look through all the data as if it is valid and spend that time, invest that time and base an appeal on those facts the best you can um, without being defensive. And I get it that people don't want to admit fault, especially if you're not really at fault, Uh, but you still have to find something to cop to find something that you can say, we can do better. This is what we can do better. Because I think what I mean by full gobble is, you know, no excuses. You've got to accept it and say, yes, yes, we are at fault. We recognize that, that, you know, that we recognize we did this. This is how we fixed it. I think basically the, the, again, it's, it's simple stuff. You have to do exactly what they ask and you have to do it within the criteria that they set and say, okay, you know, and then just they'll come, you know, they'll come back to you and say, give us more detail. And you might just think what always goes to my head, my head is, come on, I can't give you any more detail, but you just have to dig deeper and find some more detail and, 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 you know, just think, uh, you know, just think, how can I, you know, cause they, they're always, they're always, you know, just, it's a box ticking exercise, isn't it? And then you've just got to know what the boxes they are. They want ticks. And I think this is why, um, you know, because I think a lot of people aren't particularly good at writing. And also, as you say, if they haven't seen one of these problems before, they get all kind of worked up about it. And it's just a question of, you know, can, you know, just doing it in a methodical way, I think. Anyway, that's my Yes. And, and God forbid you blame Amazon. Don't do that, even if it's their fault. Um, because sometimes it is their fault. For example, on a condition appeal where someone says they received something that was used and it's supposed to be new, if you use FBA, their condition, their returns grading processes are terrible. Right. They're absolutely horrid. And so they will accept things back from consumers that should be thrown in the garbage and they will put it back in sellable and then resell it. And that's what the consumer got. And that is not your fault, but you have to find a way to say how you're going to approve and it behooves you to do so because if you can find workarounds to the ways Amazon is hurting your account, you're only going to improve your profitability and your operations and you know the money you put in your pocket every day. Uh, so you can't say, oh, so great example is expiration. People expect Amazon to manage their expiration dates. People expect Amazon to actually do first in, first out. Amazon does not do first in, first out. They transship inventory all over the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes they transship it across borders. They can't do first in, first out. It's a nice idea. It doesn't happen. So you cannot expect that they're going to sell out, if you're a supplement seller, that they're going to sell out the whole lot that you sent in before they start selling the next lot you sent in. So you have to find a way to manage those expiration dates instead of ending up with expired inventory and having angry customers and getting the ASIN shut down and blaming Amazon, even though it's probably really their fault. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think this is the, the, um, <laughs> you know, that, 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 I mean, this is an example, I think of Amazon just becoming more and more difficult to deal with and, and expecting, you know, I, I found that with, with SFP, for example, you know, that they, 
you know, they, they, they'll just, they give themselves the right to do whatever they like and it's never mm-hmm. their fault and they never deliver anything late. And, you know, as a seller, you have to kind of, you know, and they, they'll just refund the customer under all circumstances. And I think it's very easy to be the world's most customer-centric company if you just give customers back their money all the time, which is very easy for Amazon because it isn't their money. I, th- I think, um, I don't know, in the, in the I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, despite, you know, spending a lot of my time on Amazon, I'm actually in, in some ways not a particularly big fan of it. I mean, it, it's a machine that works amazingly well, but I think it's, it's a pity there's not more competition. I think it's a pity that you don't have, you know, that eBay didn't manage to get bigger or that, you know, Google or all these other companies didn't have more of a, a competitor to Amazon. Because one day, you know, what monopolies do, and Amazon is a monopoly, is they start to offer bad service to people and they start to put up the prices. That's just what monopolies do. And you see, um, I think, in the way they treat sellers, they treat sellers appallingly and they can do that because of their only show in town. And with, um, I don't know what your experience is, but I mean, you know, with eBay, we've had my retail company had a problem with eBay. I just wrote to the eBay managing director and said, come on, you know, we're nice people. Can you help us out? Next day, the problem got sorted. I wrote to Jeff in, in Seattle and just got a message back saying, you know, Jeff doesn't care, <laughs> basically. So Well, and I, I absolutely agree with you that they, the goal is to be customer centric. It's also easy to be customer centric when the bottom line is not actually your focus. I'm not saying they don't want to make money. I'm saying that that isn't the number one goal. The number one goal is increasing their market reach, increasing the number of prime customers. It's a long-term play, right? Because their profitability is actually coming from AWS right now, yes, uh, more so than retail. So in retail, it's just to... in improve the Amazon brand, expand it more, be the great and powerful Oz on the retail side, even if you have to give a lot of concessions to do it and they're okay with that. Um, Vendors and sellers get the brunt of it. Both vendors and sellers have fraught relationships with Amazon and Amazon really does believe every single one of us is replaceable. I'm replaceable on the platform. You're replaceable on the platform. We're all replaceable um, because someone else will step in with another product. So it, it really is difficult. They used to be more seller centric. They used to believe more in the seller partner relationship. I think some of that has gotten lost with the growth. Yeah. So do you think, um, where do you think Amazon's heading? Do you think the, 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 kind of the status quo is going to continue or do you think that they're going to have to become a bit nicer or they're just going to continue becoming more horrible? That's a really good question. There is a lot of noise about regulation here in the United States. I know there already has been some in the EU and some enforcement uh, for anti-competitive and monopolistic behaviors. Um, a lot of noise about that here as well, that I think it's going to force them to step back a bit. Recently, there was a real problem here in the U.S. Um, I know it was rolled out a little bit in the U.K., but I don't think it was the full thing, uh, where Amazon had the Amazon Standards for Brands, where they decided that they were going to dictate how third-party sellers were pricing their products. 
This is new. It's actually against Amazon policy, which clearly states that third-party sellers set their own pricing. But Amazon launched this entire project with a whole staff last year and or this year in January, February, and started rolling it out across the biggest sellers in the U.S. and telling them how to price their products. And if they wouldn't price their products the way Amazon wanted them to, Amazon would restrict their access to major national brands that they've been selling for years. So, uh, Unfortunately for Amazon, when this started leaking out in the news, um, some governmental figures got a little upset about it because that all sounds a whole lot like price fixing. And they that had is, to that is that is price fixing. That's <laughs> right because it was it was because they got in 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 Europe they got they used to say that you could only sell you know, Amazon had to be your cheapest price. So they said in the contract that. Um, you weren't allowed to sell cheaper off Amazon than you were selling on Amazon, but that is price fixing. So they they yeah. had to they had to and, walk back on that. And I think there was some really misguided thinking inside of Amazon where they believed that if their price fixing was helping the consumer by providing the consumer with the lowest cost and helping to push down prices across all platforms, that somehow that excused the price fixing. Like price fixing to be lower is okay. Just price fixing to go higher is bad. But that's not the case because manufacturers and brand owners literally couldn't set their own pricing on Amazon uh, because Amazon was forcing them to be at a certain rate. So I think as these things continue to happen and continue to come out, they're going to they're gonna walk back some stuff. I don't think they're ever necessarily going to get a whole lot friendly to sellers though and but you know you think sellers have it bad vendors have it even worse so third-party sellers uh have have a little better life in my opinion i not everyone agrees with me but i would say being a third-party seller is a heck of a lot better than being a really it's an undignified business so worse than really (laughs) awful it's 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 it is an undignified business and and i just think sometimes i think oh dearie me after the trouble i mean i got we had multiple accounts which I basically through very much through my own fault managed to get quote unquote permanently shut down and the only way we managed to get them reopened was to go onto LinkedIn and find some friendly Amazon people who managed to who managed to sort it out and it's you know I think that it you know once you go you you know you have a problem which you know as you say they won't respond to you anymore then it becomes a question of you know guess why we're upset with you and mm-hmm. you can't guess because they won't tell you. Right. So it becomes it becomes next to impossible. And I, I think that, you know, in the past, I mean, Amazon owns the digital high street or main street in the USA, I'd say. And, you know, you can't, they, they, they privatise to kind of almost like a public asset. Whereas, I mean, you know, you can, you can just go and open a shop. No one going to stop you opening a shop. But once Amazon has, for its own reasons, decided to shut your account down, you just can't reopen it. You can't trade. And... You know, right. you've got to be really, as a seller, you've got to be really careful. You don't, don't get yourself in that kind of situation. Right. And, and, and you're correct about them not telling you things, especially a lot of accounts recently have started to be shut down for what they call section three. That is code of conduct. And code of conduct is one of those catch-alls. It could mean anything. Uh, they do have a list of things that are code of conduct violations, treating customers fairly, treating other sellers fairly, being honest, yada, yada. 
but that, I mean, it really comes down to, it can mean anything. So when we have a client come in the door with code of conduct, frequently they have no idea what they did. And one of our consultants will spend an hour on the phone with them going through a list of questions we have that is every possible thing that we know of that can get you shut down for code of conduct. So we're asking them every single question. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you? And we have to convince them to tell us the truth because and again, they will be quite embarrassed about what they've yes, done as well. Yes, people are embarrassed or they're afraid we're going to tell somebody or because you know how you feel paranoid when you've done something, if you've done something right. And you're afraid someone's going to tell someone, oh, I'm not going to, I don't care what you did. I just need to know so I can fix it with Amazon so I can, I can solve the problem for you. But yes, they're very embarrassed, but sometimes we can't even ever figure it out. And we have to go to Amazon and say, these are the things we think may have happened And then sometimes if you give them enough information, they'll come back and say, actually, it's just this one. It was just this one. Give us more detail about that. Um, But but the positive here in the U.S., though, is that we are seeing more competition to Amazon uh, with major investments by major retailers like Target and Walmart, who are pouring lots of money into their platforms now. Are they doing a great job? Are they getting the penetration yet? Uh, and, you know, the sellers I talk to tell me that that they actually tend to get more sales from Target than Walmart, which surprises me because Walmart is so much bigger and has put more investment dollars in. Um, but regardless, there there are some, some options that are improving, but I think Amazon is still going to have a lot of the power for a long, long time. Yeah, that, that, that is unfortunate. Okay, so do you see, I mean, with, um, you know, because Amazon say, you know, they've got like a Chinese wall between their kind of the retail side and the kind of seller side. Do you think that that's true? Or do you think that they use their proprietary information to to kind of undercut people? Unfortunately, I've seen several examples that prove that they use proprietary information that they are not to not supposed to across the organization. So they have rules that people have to take information security classes at Amazon. They have to take a test. They have to do it every, I think, three years um, to say that they know the policies, that they understand what they are and are not supposed to do. And one of those things is that individual seller data is never supposed to be shared. Only aggregate data can be shared. So aggregate data on a brand or a category Um, can be shared, aggregate third-party seller data, but an individual seller's data is not supposed to be shared. Well, it does happen. Uh, We've seen it happen internally. We can tell by the communications from Amazon. You can connect the dots. Um, We have seen the vendor team use brand registry information to target third-party sellers who used to be on vendor. Um, We have seen them connect the dots to put linked accounts together Uh, when they are really not supposed to be using that particular information to put linked accounts together. And of course, everyone knows about how they use third-party data to decide to launch new products and market those products and compete with third-party sellers who have their own private label products. Uh, There is going to be a reckoning on this, whether they like it or not. Jeff Bezos got up before Congress and said that this shouldn't happen and rarely happens. And they have policies to make sure it doesn't happen. And then someone promptly leaked a massive report that was several years old that showed all of the holes in how Amazon manages this data and totally fails 
to enforce against employees who wrongly use this data. So if there is anything that I think Amazon should be enforced against by the federal government or there should be legislation, it is on this particular issue because they're violating their own policies each and every day. Now, do you think that, that, that one day they're going to have to choose between being a retailer and being a marketplace? They can't because I, you know, they, that's going to come to an end one day. That is what there are some legislators in the United States pushing for. I hope that doesn't happen because that will hurt third party sellers uh, dramatically. Why is that? If, because they won't, they like buying from Amazon and they see the third party sellers at the same time. If Amazon is forced to choose, Amazon is going to choose what it has been investing its uh, resources into, which is developing its own products. They have already put a lot of money into Amazon brands. They are not going to equally promote to platforms. It's just not going to happen. Right. I think they, they would drop the marketplace sellers or it would end up being like an eBay that is an afterthought. And all of the marketing dollars are going to go into promoting what Amazon controls, which is its retail products that it purchases from vendors and the products that it sells itself. And the problem with that, um, these legislators wrongly believe that this is going to make things better for third party sellers and consumers. It will actually only make Amazon more of a monopoly because instead of third party sellers with who sell what 55% of the products on Amazon, instead of having that selection available for consumers, and instead of having this wonderful incubator where people can launch new products, um, those will all be gone. And it will just be what Amazon buys, buys from vendors And they will only have a certain number of vendor relationships. And it'll be just like going into a Walmart or a Target where there's limited selection. It'll be bad for everybody. That's a really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. It's a really that's a really interesting um, perspective. So tell me what um, what are the top, you know, obviously you you get you you get to see a lot of sellers that are having having problems. Right. What are the top mistakes that people make that, that you see? So right now, Amazon is enforcing really hard on anything they see as review manipulation or platform manipulation. And people are continuing to use the same strategies they had for years, where they're using a Facebook group to get reviews, or they're paying someone to get reviews, or they're putting the cards into products saying, hey, get a free product if you give me a positive review. Um, I I get it. How do they know that? How do they find that out? So on the electronic data side, you know, AWS um, serves the National Security Agency here in the United States, uh, which they're the people who collect all the cell phone metadata to hunt down terrorists. So if people think that Amazon can't figure out that you have your neighbor Fred writing reviews for you, I've got I've got a bridge to sell you out in uh, the desert. They they know Uh, They have amazing, amazing data systems, and they will use all the public data available to link you and your reviews to your friends and neighbors who've done reviews for products. They also have reciprocal relationships with social media companies. Um, There are reciprocal relationships. There's an agreement signed by like Facebook and Twitter and Amazon and all of these other large platforms where they're trying to stop fraud across Mm -hmm. platforms so they will share data with each other when they see fraud so that's how amazon finds these facebook groups that are sending all the referral links so don't do it is what you're saying just don't don't think you're you're smarter than amazon 
And that, well, and now they've instituted bin checks. So they're actually in the fulfillment center going in and opening up products and looking for these cards that offer free things, which they had not done until this year. And if they catch you, they will make you remove all that inventory and pull all the cards out and send it back in. And you do not want to do that. So that's, that's a big one. And then the second thing we're seeing a lot of that makes me very sad um, is that people get frustrated with Amazon. So they forge documents. So Amazon rejects an invoice over and over. They, they ask for a, a, an LOA and you don't have it. Um, there's LOA, sorry, what's that? A letter, letter of authorization. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, they they ask for any kind of document, you know, like even if you're asking for reimbursement on a shipment that they lost at the warehouse, and someone doesn't have a bill of lading, so they fake one. Um, Amazon detects that. They have security that detects it. They have you know machines that can detect it. And then a lot of times, you know, clients send me the invoices that they faked and sent to Amazon, and I can spot it. Uh, my my ex Amazon investigators on my team, we can find it. If we can find it, Amazon's going to find it too. And you're much better off trying to solve the problem, explaining why you don't have the invoice, going back to your manufacturer, going back to your supplier, asking for a new one, um, showing additional evidence like a stamped letter from your bank, showing where you paid the invoice to prove it's real. All of that effort. Yes, it's a lot of effort. But it's better to go down that road than than send in forged documents because that's a suspension you do not want to have. Right. Okay. So again, don't basically just stick to the rules under mm-hmm. under all circumstances. Okay. This has been this has been very interesting. I've just got one last question for you. What has inspired you recently? What has inspired me? Well, what what interesting thing can be anything? What book have you read? What film have you seen? What what business have you come across? You know what? It is. Um, we were talking off camera about this before before we started. Uh, some of you may have seen some uh, major disasters here in the United States with some tornadoes ripping through the heartland. And it has been very inspiring to see my friends, my neighbors, people that I know who are donating money and clothes and gift cards. There have been some wonderful stories about people who have driven from states away and taken a barbecue grill and just cooked food in the middle of a town that was devastated. So people would have something to eat. Um, There are the people who are cleaning up that damage are not all government workers. It is volunteers who are going and cutting up trees with chainsaws and throwing them in the back of their truck and taking it to the dump. It's, it's amazing to see thousands of people take off work um, around the holidays when you're supposed to be with your family and leave and go help strangers. It's, it's fantastic. That really, that really is the best of America. I'm inspired by that too. So, Leslie, it's yeah. been great talking to you, and it sounds like you're you're like a like an emergency service for for Amazon sellers. So. We absolutely are. We we catch you at your worst time and then try and make it better. Excellent, great. It's been lovely speaking to you. Thanks very much. Good luck. Thank you. Bye bye.